A kind old man spent hours watching a butterfly struggling to emerge from its cocoon. It managed to make a small hole, but its body was too large to get through it. After a long struggle, it appeared to be exhausted and remained absolutely still. The man decided to help the butterfly and cut open the cocoon with a small pair of scissors to release the butterfly. But what emerged was an ugly, underdeveloped butterfly with a small wrinkled body and crumpled wings. The wings couldn't lift the swollen body. The man hoped to see the creature change, open its wings and fly away, but nothing happened. The butterfly spent the rest of its life, brief life, dragging around in its shrunken body and shriveled wings, incapable of flight. The nice man was naive because although he tried to help, he failed to understand that the struggling of the cocoon activated enzymes and to transform the butterfly, it needed to squeeze out of that tiny hole as it were. And so training the butterfly to change and transform its body type to strengthen its wings. What does this have to do with spiritual growth? Absolutely everything. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I'm thinking, fly think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It. A podcast for the Christian thinker in a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Today, as always, you have myself, Phil, the Bronx Expositor, and our West Indian wordsmith, Glenroy. Hello, Glenroy. Hello, Glenroy. <laughs> In our last episode, we unpacked what spiritual growth is and looked at the first two stages of growth by John, the infancy stage, the children's stage, and secondly, the Inf- I'm sorry, the infancy stage, and secondly, the infantry stage, the young men stage. So let's just continue on and look at the final stage of spiritual growth, namely the father stage. And this is not gender specific here. Um, not that we're against genders. We know that there's only two. Um, because uh, and, uh, uh, You mean 52? Uh, no, no, only two. Can you oh, got it. Oh, this is a biblical show. Biblical. <laughs> this got is a biblical show, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, it's not gender specific here because men and women can certainly spiritually grow into maturity. And so in this stage, um, Christ was helping his own disciples to grow up into this stage. This is what he was trying to get them to. And eventually they did get there. So uh, think of the disciples along the way. Uh, They were slow to believe, slow to understand. They ran away at the crucifixion. Uh, Peter was constantly putting his foot in his mouth or his sandal and fumbling through his spiritual growth, even denying Jesus in the face of a little servant girl. But what happened on the day of Pentecost was incredible. Uh, He roared like a lion and preached a sermon in which 3,000 souls entered into the kingdom of God. Amazing. Uh, and, And just days before he denied, he even knew the Lord. And now speaking as bold as a lion for the Savior. Thomas doubted Jesus and Jesus had to show up and call Thomas on the carpet and say, listen, 
You said it. Touch the wounds in my hands. Touch my side. <laughs> to which Thomas replies, uh, no, that's okay. My Lord and my God. Mm. Um, I've heard it said that, that Christ came to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to live a comfortable life, uh, you won't find the life of ease as a Christian. Definitely a life of joy, but not a life of ease. The, the Christian life is not, is not the life of Riley. So let's look at the third stage and go back to first John chapter two, where he says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And then he says, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Yes, I did repeat myself, but so did the apostle John. So if he did it, I can quote him as such. And so it's interesting that he says the same thing twice. And I wonder why that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think it's 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 very apropos that he does this. Obviously, scripture, God, God breathed. But the more I think about it, like you know, like we mentioned last podcast, that stop we, and think about it. I, I stop all the time. I, the thinking <laughs> part is, is eludes me. Um, but yeah, we we wrote a book, you know, um, multiplying for the master, just dealing with this, and it's it, it had to be broken up into five. And it, it's such a exhaustive book. And what happens is when you get to the father stage, you start to see a pattern. It's nothing new. It's right. just this, it's kind of like it, it's filled out. And so it's repeated because at the end of the day, when we get through all of the thoughts and all the different things and all the different ways, we, you know, that we can express it is that they know God. Yes. They have an intimate relationship with God that's fed through all the things we talked about before. Not time, though time is a factor. Mm-hmm. Not experience, but experience is a factor. But it's just a growing intimate knowledge of who God is and what we are expected to do in the presence of God. There's other things, but it, it's just striking that we can all get there. I think is, is, is the thing that strikes me of that it's not something that's beyond that only a pastor can do, you know, only insert name of who you think is the, the, the most godly person, you know, you can achieve the same thing by surrendering to Christ daily. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and so when we look here, right, this whole aspect of experience, um, obviously growing from children to young men, now, fathers, they've had experience as children and young men. Mm. Uh, they've really redeemed the time. Mm. And so there's one thing you need to have to be a father. And what's that one thing? Uh, intimate knowledge of how to take apart those, like, really complicated toys. Uh, and who would those toys be for? Uh, this is You always give me some stumpers, man. Uh, <laughs> um, video is not helping this process, but... I would definitely have to say you have to have children. You have to have uh, people that you're fathering over. You know, Absolutely. So, I mean, if you're a father, you have to have children. You can't be a father without children. Yeah, um, yeah. And so uh, their knowledge and their intimacy um, with Christ has matured over the years in redeeming the time. And so the, child, the, the little children stage, yeah, they have a knowledge of, of, of the father and they began intimacy with the father. But over the years of maturity, redeeming the time, that knowledge of who God is has grown. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know 
that what omnipotence was and the, the omnipresence of God and the aseity of God. I mean, um, the providence of God. I didn't know any of these things. I mean, these were foreign things to me. And as I learned them at the young men's stage and, and, and now, um, it wasn't just knowing more theological terms. Uh, these began to have depth uh, to them and they began to be very meaningful to know what is the providence of God. And then to see the providence of God in our own lives. Mm. Um, you know, for instance, obviously there's a difference between miracles and providence. So a miracle would be the birth of Adam and Eve. That was miraculously done because they weren't born from parents, but Cain and Abel, that was providence. They were born through natural means. Jesus walked on water miracle, um, uh, taking, um, something that from water to wine uh, miracle, mm. but then there are things that happen every day. And God works through his providence where he took uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus and ushered them to get to Bethlehem so Christ would be born in Bethlehem, providence. Uh, he worked through the census. So um, these are at this level, at this stage, they've spent a prolonged time in the word of God. Um, and so they've learned strong doctrine and their minds were renewed by the scripture, but a strong doc doctrine with strong faith and intimacy with the father. Mm. And so it's kind of like all kind of crashing and coming together now. Uh, yet. W would you say that we described in the last podcast, um, yes. young believers who go after knowledge, a lot of zeal, a lot of knowledge. We're, we're talking about knowledge again, but I think the difference, if we can kind of, um, put a bow on it is that the knowledge is so we get close to the Christ. It's not yes. so that we're more knowledgeable. It's not so we accumulate. It's not, look, look what I know. It's kind of, oh, like you said, omnipotence. Oh, God is all powerful. And then you see, start seeing it dem demonstrated in our lives and you start realizing the depths of the knowledge of God, mm -hmm. as opposed to, I know a lot of big words. And I know more about God than you. It's kind of like, wow, I don't know what I should know about God. And every time I learn something new, I'm getting closer to God. And it's like, it's a completely different process. And for some people listening there or watching, they're going to not really understand what I'm saying. But a way to think about it is if you um, go to a dealer to change your, your oil, yes, you pay them, you come back out. The gauge is back to normal. It says 100%. The car is driving. It's heating up. You see the result of it. And there's a, there's a sort of knowledge involved in that. But when you go on there and you kind of like take the oil out and it spills on your face and, and you really, you, you, you're going to have this, in, this intimate knowledge of the vehicle that's more than if you just go to have someone fix it for you. I think that, that's a, a crude analogy, but that's kind of the difference. Same oil being changed, still going. You st I, I understand the process of how to do it, but doing it, makes a difference yeah yeah absolutely um i mean only adam and eve were were created as full-grown adults right i mean no one else was created as full-grown adults but but spiritually they went down pretty quickly yeah yeah right we after genesis 2 is genesis 3 and boom you know they're in the tank so to speak 
Uh, they're hiding from an omnipotent God, an omniscient God behind a bush that God made. I mean, boom, <laughs> their yeah. plane went down, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and God had to come to the rescue and uh, kill an animal and, and cover their their naked body with with animal skins. Um, and somebody reminded me one time, I think it was uh, Dan McCleary who said the first death, um, was a redemptive or an atoning death when he, when God killed an animal. And so, um, even at every stage of development, even at this, uh, the, the father is still the father and Christ is still the head and, and we are not him, but really what we well, see one, is, one more second. Pastor, yes. I'm sorry. Another thought just hit my mind. Sorry. Bring it out. Thing. When it hits, bring it. <laughs> So another quick analogy, biblical analogy this time is Solomon. Mm. He a young young man been given the reins of the kingdom. He prays to God and says, you know, just just help me to, to lead my people. God says, you know what? Because you haven't asked me for all these special things, I'm gonna give you wisdom. And he's very smart. He he's he's brilliant. And then you see what happens there, and you read his the the the, the books that he, he writes and how does he end it with Ecclesiastes, the man who had so many wives, thousands, a thousand wives, you know, X amount of concubines and wives. And he, he's, he does everything wrong in a sense, even with the knowledge. And as you read Ecclesiastes, you see him going through this process and that's the difference. He's just, just as brilliant as when, when he started, but now he's gone through the process and the wisdom shines through where you, you, you can't fault anything else he's written before. Proverbs is still a brilliant book. It's still thing, but Ecclesiastes has a different tone. Ecclesiastes is, is someone who's lived it and seen how the, the process get, can be derailed. And then he ends it by saying, the only, after all this knowledge, all this stuff is this knowing God, bowing to yeah. God, being in God. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, and so we see here the first distinguishing mark that Paul mentions is knowing him who's from the beginning. Um, and so him who's from the beginning really is the ancient of days uh, that is spoken about in the book of Daniel. The one who is from the beginning, I mean, the ancient of days, that just has such a profound uh, sound to it. Uh, knowing him who created all things, knowing him uh, who's always existed, who is from eternity past, so to speak. I mean, he's, he's always lived. Uh, there was never a time when God was not. And knowing this, this almighty God through all of these years and seeing his hand upon my life through all of these years. I mean, I mean, it just warms your heart. And, and there's just such a profound appreciation, you know, for who God is. And of course, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, you know, he taught them the word our father. Mm. And so, you know, th that's, that's this right here. Um, because you've known him who is from the beginning. And so uh, as we just look at this here, uh, they've passed through the other stages. They've grown up, but they've not arrived. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. You blow my mind every podcast. So you're telling me that when we know the, the ancient of days, when we know him from the beginning, when we've passed through all these things that we've described, these roadblocks that we've described, there's more? And But, but wait, there's more. Wow. I mean, <laughs> remember, you know, I, I think... It's, it's, it's going to be a radical thought for people who 
Did, you know, you heard of the man of God th- syndrome that, you know, um, especially in African countries and other countries where it's the man of God. If you want to know what to do, you ask the man of God. If something bad happened that the man of God did, you say it couldn't have been him. It's just this, this bubble that you put yourself in. And we elevate pastors, which we should to a certain extent and leaders to a certain extent to be in this stage that's beyond us. And once again, I know I said it before, but I just, it's not beyond us. It's something that we should be striving for. And no one has arrived. Paul did not arrive. He was as close as we, we have documented for, but he, was, he said that he was struggling every day with his body of flesh, hoping that Christ would return tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we have to grow up into, into all ways unto Christ, who is the head. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think since our unredeemed flesh <laughs> is attached to a spirit that God has made alive, mm-hmm. um, you know, we will become like Christ and, and we will be like him in his presence. And now, what and, and, a day, glorious day that will be. Now, on a side, today's world our flesh our skin who we are is everything sure <laughs> you know and 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 just i just thought it was something to mention is that our christian walk is telling us forget all that and our secular human self is like hey i'm xyz i'm this skin i'm this thing my ancestors did this and the bible is telling us you, that's all who whoever did what to whom we're all sinners. We need to forego all that and start with this basis that God is here and we're here and we need to build in this process. And it's just interesting that we are f- warring against the flesh and they're glorifying the flesh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, the process or, or uh, the commission is to go out and make disciples. It, it's not simply to make converts, although we have to start there. Mm-hmm. And and converts would be somebody who comes into the kingdom, you know, as a babe in Christ uh, to be born again. Um, and so obviously that's a, that's a supernatural work of God mm-hmm. and to disciple others is to feed them and to help them to grow. And this is relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those in the father stage, they're not in the baby stage. Uh, they, they're mm-hmm. out of the spiritual nursery. Um, a physical baby may only know that the father changes his or her diapers and puts the baby to bed, but, but has no idea that the father's going to work and laboring throughout the day, mm. uh, you know, because that man's not lazy um, in the midst of each day. And so um, the father, the spiritual sight has grown over the years and they've seen and experienced much through the years and they're looking through the eyes of faith. Uh, one day our faith will become sight ultimately, and we shall see him as he is. Mm. Um, again, what a, what a glorious day that will be. And, and many times um, the children are only looking at the here and now. It's my understanding that when children are first born, that their eyesight is not clear, you know, fully developed. Mm. Uh, and they see kind of shadows. They, they can't see uh, certain distances because things are still being developed. Uh, the father's eyes, if you will, are very developed, if you will. They don't see exactly as Jesus sees, I'm not saying that, but they're certainly seeing more of how Jesus sees yeah. because he's developed their eyes. If you remember in Luke chapter 24, which is coming to mind, it says that Christ restrained their eyes on the road to Emmaus. 
and they didn't know who they were speaking to. And then it says he opened their eyes and they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke with us along the way and while he opened the scriptures to us. And so uh, it's like Christ opened the eyes of the fathers to see more clearly than did those who were in the child and the young man stage. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they look differently. I mean, just think about it in the natural, mm. like when I look under the hood of my car, I don't see what's under the hood of my car in the same way that the mechanic sees what's under the hood of the car. And so spiritually, uh, the, the father is kind of more like that mechanic and looking under the hood of the scriptures and seeing more looking at things that are happening in the world and applying scripture to it because they've been doing that for many years and so when new heresies pop up, I mean, it's just repackaged heresies. And so they're not like, oh, well, you know, what's this new thing on the horizon? It's not new. It's just repackaged. It just has a new skin tone to it or a new paint job over it. But there's no new heresies in one respect that they all come from hell. Uh, they all come from Babylon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all from the garden. Did God really say? So they're all questioning God's word and say somewhere she performed. And so not only is there uh, um, that type of growth as far as eyesight uh, is concerned. I, I wanted to say one more thing about that. If you, Please do. If you transition, another way of looking at it is, is if you want to focus on the young man to the father stages, mm. where the young man sees it as a battle to be won. Yes. Hey, these guys are false professors. This Christian church has bad doctrine, I need to set this straight, the father will look at it same, same way, but will say, wow, you know, look at the lost sheep, need to guide that sheep back. This person should be in the kingdom, but is not. How can I get this person in the kingdom where, and they're not defending God in a sense, They're, 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 they're just concerned about the soul of that person, rather than the fact that they're in this doctrine or this wrong place. It's more of an individual, hey, this is a lost coin, as opposed to say those people over there are not biblical. You know, it's it's a mindset. And, and, and that, the young man stage, they still care about the person's soul. They're still, but it's more like, hey, if I can convince them of the rightness of Christ, that's going to do the work where the the father says, no, I'm just concerned about you. The 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 feeling, this idea that, that individual is important it shows they see it now as a lost person as opposed to a misguided person which is a very um easy thing to miss and but that's i think another way of saying it everything you said plus more i think is is one way to kind of illustrate that i'm i'm thinking of it you know like the young men's stage is like uh, you know, put your arm up and let, let's arm wrestle right now. Yeah. And, and like the father stages, all right, you know what? We don't need to arm wrestle. Um, you know, you might be physically stronger than me, but l- l- let's sit down for a minute. Let me yeah. get you a sandwich. All yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, pull, pull up the chair. Um, let's sit down and talk about what you're learning in your church and Amen. what, and, and what the Bible actually teaches. Um, and do these things align? So you're not trying to win the battle. You're trying to win the person. Whereas Amen. sometimes at the young men's stage, you're trying to win the battle. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and we've passed through that, so to speak. And, and that's not always um, such a, it, it's not like a sinful thing per no, se, no. 
But as you grow, you stop trying to win the battle because, mm. you know, Christ already run the war and you're <laughs> trying more so and saying, listen, I'm not trying to win this battle. I'm trying to win you. And I, let yeah. me put my cards on the table. I'm not mm. trying to win the battle. I believe I'm right and I believe you're wrong, but I'm trying to win you because it doesn't matter who wins the battle right now, because sure. this thing is so important. It's really about where do you stand with the Lord? Are, mm. are you right with him? Or, and are you learning in a good biblical church? Amen. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Great point. So, um, and, and I think this comes, as you mentioned, with growth and discernment mm. um, and intimate relationship uh, with the Lord. And so when you have this growth in discernment um, uh, in, in the beginning, um, if you know, the eternity of God, you're understanding that God knows all things. Nothing is coming as a surprise to him in any way, shape or form. Mm. And so your elementary understanding of God has grown and expanded mm. um, into even more credible, credible ways because you have put God's word to practice over the years. You've, you've prayed and you've seen God just come through and answer prayers, uh, a desperate uh, heart anguishing prayers that you have prayed and you have seen God show himself strong and faithful. I mean, time and time. And so there's like this whole, you're like looking back over your life and reflecting and saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Now I know you're not going to like this pastor uh -oh. Phil, um, but you're going to say it anyway. I, I, know I have, I have, I have kind of edit, editorial control, so uh -oh. I'm going to let it, let it ride. Um, one of the, the the most powerful sermons you ever did, I think, was recently when you were going through a difficult time. One of the reasons why our podcast has kind of been delayed. I, I know some of our listeners who who listen faithfully are probably wondering why we haven't put one out. We're still working. We're still church. We're still we're still busy. But there was a difficult time. Not going to go into the details, but a lot of like you, you know when they talk about the perfect storm, that's everything hit all the same time. Work. You're just using all the right words now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, in terms of spiritual, uh, physical, job, your house, you know, things were coming from all sides. And then you did a sermon where you, you're talking about how we have to endure difficult times. And I don't know if that's something you would have done 10 years ago and been able mm -hmm. to kind of do while you're going through it and, and yeah. still be able to say, but God is faithful. God I trust you, God, and what you do. And I don't know if I can do that, but I, but it just hit me that you're not talking about some abstract thing that's happening somewhere to some Christians. It's like, no, I'm going through it, but I'm still going to be faithful. Not because of me, but because that's, that's the spirit of God in me. And that's just an example that, that comes out of my mind where you've always been biblical, you've always been on task, but it was just like, wow, I can see it happening, what you're saying happening. Mm. And these are the kind of things that we as believers should be striving for, not so that we can do a great sermon, but that we're so much closer to God than anything else. I think one of the things about the other stages are, it's kind of a me, 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 me. Babes, you're just getting fed, give me, give me more stuff. I want a good church. I want to, I want to have a lot of programs. The believer is like, well, I'm going to win for Christ. I'm this great evangelist. And then we get there. We're like, I just want to be under your feet. I just, I just want to know more about God. And yeah. I think it's, it's very apropos what you're saying about that. And it's just, it's kind of hitting me as we're going, I'm maturing as the podcast goes along. 
Uh, amen. Yeah. And, and um, it was said to me and I could look back and reflect over life um, in, in preaching in the pulpit, you know, or earlier in my preaching life, I would say in the ministry, there was a great focus on, you know, kind of, you know, be bold and, and, and hit him hard and come down mm. with the hammer of conviction and things like that. Mm. And, and now, you know, the Lord has had to um, or saw fit, I should say, mm. to, to temper the zealousness and keep the zealousness, but but to mm. temper it um, with being more gentle and realize, listen, the, the, there are people in our churches they're going to work every day and they're, you know, some of them are getting beat up at work, so to speak, mm. um, you know, and they're struggling and, and things are happening. Not that life is all of a struggle and the Christian life is just one struggle after the next without joy. That is great joy, mm. you know, but I mean, li listen, we're living in this world. And mm. so uh, there is a lot of things that this world throws at us. And so in that respect, you know, to, and even in the preaching to realize, I mean, do people want to come to church then and get beat up again? And I just got beat up from my boss and beat up from my coworkers, get beat up from my pastor, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that we should never preach with boldness. And I'm not saying mm. that we should never preach conviction and preach mm. hard against sin. I mean, we must do that. But even preaching hard against sin, uh, there is a gentleness and, and, and a love that would come um, that a father would bring because you're not trying to like chase the children out of the out of the house so to speak mm. uh, you want to be that approachable father that's saying listen i know what you've done yeah and, you know and and it's not like it's unredeemable it's not like unforgivable i mean i've sinned too i've sinned many times in my own life and Amen. probably today too or but the day's not over so i'm sure it's coming yeah give you know it time I mean? give yeah. it time yeah but yeah i mean um going through that difficult time you know when with all that happened in you know with our home and the storm and you know the finances and everything that was happening i mean god was so kind and brought people from the church to to come and help and and put their hands and roll their sleeves up and i know um i asked you know lord would you make this and use this hard time to be a sanctifying tool in my own heart and life. And then I'd preach during that time when, mm. as we were going through it and, you know, we're not completely out of the woods yet, so to speak, but mm. yeah, you're right. I mean, God providentially brought us through that mm. um, and caused that sermon to be preached in the midst of going through that. Amen. Amen. So, and, and as, you, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about my son and, yeah, I've been upset at him, but it, it's never. I, I mean, you can't say never, but there's nothing you can do that will ever make me turn away from him. Sure, he, I could be mad at him, I could discipline him, but he, I, he has. I've made it known that whatever you do, as long as you, you're still, I will always allow you to come to me to talk about what's happened, and that's the relationship we have with God. And I think. Th that's that's a realization that is hard in the infancy stage and the young man stage because you kind of feel like you got to do some things to earn it yeah and i think the, the the father stage you it it you you get disabused of that because you realize there's nothing you can do and rather than being despondent with that knowledge you're kind of in awe of the father who despite you you can never be the son that he that he wants 
loves you almost more because of your lack, right? Is has sure. more care for you than, you know, I, I would, I would look, I tell my son, I'm proud of him all the time and he gets really good grades, but I would love him the same if he had bad grades, you know, and, and, and I don't mm. tell him that because I want him to do well, but just knowing that I think is, is a blessing to know that all my failures, God does not see. Let, let me jump on what you just said. Cause I think it's a very important point. Fathers are displaying the heart of the father, God. And Amen. so God doesn't love you less when you sin. Let me say that again. God doesn't love you less when you sin. So men, when you've looked at something uh, uh, that you shouldn't have looked at, right? God doesn't all of a sudden love you less. Now it's not okay in any way, shape or form. It's not an excuse to sin, but I don't love my children less when they disobey me. Right. I mean, I'm disappointed and I have to deal with it and discipline in some way, shape or form, but they don't cease from being my children. I don't kick them yeah. out of the house and say, you know, listen, you got to go sleep on the street tonight. Yeah. Um, and so we have to exemplify and exude the heart of God, the mm -hmm. father in that respect, because uh, the heart of a father is very much toward the children. Mm -hmm. And so the heart of the father at this stage is very much toward um, those that they're serving and those that they're training and those that they're nurturing. They're thinking much less about themselves and their time. And they're thinking more about how can I raise up this next generation to carry the torch of the gospel? Mm -hmm. So that this local church will stand strong so that this generation that's coming up will have faithful gospel witnesses and it, and, and the buck won't end with me. It will continue on. Mm -hmm. Great points. Great points. Uh, I, I, I think it, it's a difficult stage to describe, but it's what we should be striving towards and I want this podcast to be informative. I want it to be convicting in certain places, but I also want it to be hopeful. And I'm hopeful that my relationship with God will only get deeper. Mm. I, I think that's what it, that's what's promised in eternity with him. And to achieve a fraction of that on, on this earth is just something that's, that's a beautiful um, thing to aspire to, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, as you, as you think of people like in your own life that you see at this father stage, like what is that, what kind of example are they, are they setting before you in your own, in your own life as to what you're striving for? Oh, come on. You put, you put me on the spot now. I, I, come I had, on. I, I had on. to do it. <laughs> well, I you know, it. I obviously, I think of, of, of you, I think I passed uh, Peter and you know, one of the, I guess it's going to be story time. So one of the things that I kind of, you know, I talked about my journey as well, um, briefly in over many podcasts, but even last one is I didn't have I, I, all the things we talked about lacking in the infancy stage. I lacked. Okay. Um, and so you form all these ideas, all these different, um, convictions. Uh, remember conviction doesn't mean it's sinful to not do it, but it's the conviction that you have in your heart that you, you feel like you have a, a, um, you feel like if you do this, you're going against Christ. You're going against what you truly believe and think. And some convictions are good and some convictions are bad. Some convictions are misguided. And 
to see how Pastor Peter deals with my stubbornness or my misapprehensions, it's basically kind of a knowing, hey, been there, done that. You know, I'm going to address it if it's sinful. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you know that I think you're misguided, but I'm not going to be harsh. I'm not going to be overbearing. I'm going to give you time to kind of get out of that. And I will be stern. When he's stern, I know, okay, I stepped way out of bounds. When he's just like, hey, in my experience, I'm like, you know what? I got to listen to this. Still stuck in my ways, but I got to, I got to, I kind of give some sway to. And for me, that's something I struggle with. And that I, I can see how I've been shaped to approach things in a different way. Not to, now, not to be long-winded, but I was the conspiracy, the, the, the sin hunter, the, you know, heresy hunter. Like I, people used to call me and tell me that, and, and I would get over there to kind of deal with it. And, and I noticed something, I think like three years ago where someone came in and just said some out, something outrageous. And three years before, I would have been on them. I, I, they, could, they, would, they wouldn't be able to get a word out after I corrected them for their mistake. And all I thought to my, in my head was, I got to talk about the gospel with this guy. I don't know if he understands the gospel. And I, and I let it go. Hmm. And I spent the majority of the conversation, the rest of the time, just getting the gospel in there to make them understand the gospel and trying to find a common ground to kind of the basis to then address that issue. And that is indicative of, of my relationship with Pastor Peter and just seeing it dem- de- demonstrated. Um, that's just one example, but there's so many that I could elaborate on. But I, it's infectious to be around someone who loves God that deeply. Um, you know, it's, it's infectious to be around someone who's been through all these things, giving you wise counsel. Even if you ignore it, you kind of are like, you know what? He was right about that. You know, and I think those are some of the ways that it's helpful. And that's why we cannot belabor it enough. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. I'm going to give you another quick example. I've known some people who are not mature, who are not uh, a Pastor Peter, Pastor Phil in, in my eyes. And I still learn from them just because they're faithful in prayer or they're faithful in one aspect. And I'm like, wow, I'm not even a tenth of the way we're there. And uh, those are just uh, some quick examples of, of how, you know, these different stages. And that's why we shouldn't separate. That's why we should have us all. It should be a mix. We just throw everybody together because we need to learn from each other. Yeah. 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 I, I, I would definitely agree with that. And so, you know, fathers, they, um, they know doctrine, but they know life because doctrine has informed their life. They, they're living life based on the doctrine that they've learned over the years. And so as they do things, um, they're doing things, knowing the providence of God and seeing yeah. the providence of God. And yeah. so they're living yeah. in it yeah. um, where others would be, you know, worried and worried and worried. And they say, listen, listen, I, I understand why you're worried, but I've seen God come through time and time again. And he's never failed and he never will. Yeah. Um, and so the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And my understanding even of Psalm 23 is that David wrote that in, in his uh, elder years of life, reflecting back over his life and saying, if the Lord is my shepherd, I want for nothing because he's done everything. He's, he's, he's fed me by streams of living water and, 
uh, uh, still waters and gentle waters. And I lay down in green pastures and he just sees Mm. everything he's brought me through the valley of the shadow of death um and so the fathers have this intimacy uh with the lord they they know the attributes of god not just on paper but it's it's welled up within them it, yeah. it's it's not just a theological term it's a theological reality in their hearts and in their lives um and so this is what what happens they still defend the faith yes but even the way they do it, again, uh, you know, still in a bold way, but, but there is a, a, a wisdom uh, and a gentleness and a zealousness that kind of all converge, like the, the soup is all mixed in together, um, quote unquote, just right, um, to have that formula. And I, so, yeah, I, 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 think, I think a quick way to, to demonstrate that is, let's yeah. say cursing. In a young man's stage, you're like, what? You're cursing? You're doing against the word of God. And What are you doing? Are you, I, 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 and I, I've seen Pastor Peter, and I've seen you do this way, and you're like, you know, what do you mean when you say that? Oh, I, I'm just joking. I, I, I know, but what does it mean? And you kind of walk that person through it, and they kind of, like, you see the light kind of go in their eyes. They're like, whoa, I didn't realize what I was doing, as opposed to just beating them over the head as if they intended to do it that way. I think uh, Pastor Peter brought it up a long time ago. You can't read intention. You cannot read minds. Mm. You, can, you can see the result of what's happening, but then you, you just can't, you can't do it. And I, I'm, I'm the, uh, the ultimate mind reader, you know, and that's something that we, we stop. And that's just one way of defending the faith just differently where you're not attacking the person necessarily, but right. you're letting them see the sin in themselves. Yep. Yep. So if we were to kind of summarize them, uh, let me do it in two ways directly. And then through a parable by Charles Spurgeon. And so, mm. um, this is from our multiplying for the master book, uh, little, little children, they have a kind of a basic awareness and relationship with God mm. and they need to grow in their elementary understanding by the, the milk of God's word. Um, the young men's stage, they've grown beyond the little children as they learn the paramount importance of sound doctrine and becoming more mature in their understanding of who God is and what he commands of their lives to not live their life for themselves, but to live their life for the Lord. And finally, here in the father stage, the most mature stage, this depth of knowledge of the eternal God, which began as little children, has been informed by the doctrine understood and absorbed while young men and the pinnacle of spiritual maturity is to grow up into all things in the head who is Christ back to Ephesians 4.15 and to know God in his fullness, uh, Philippians 3.7. And so God's people are in God's family and manifest Christ's character at all these different levels. And, and again, they're all sitting at the same table together. One is not more justified than the other, even though they're at different stages. They worship God together. They sing together. They read the word of God together. They discuss the word of God together. Um, and even though they understand even the word of God at different stages, um, it's, I mean, I'm overjoyed when my children say, daddy, what does this mean? And they're asking questions about the word yeah. of God. I'm not offended. And how dare you ask such a question? And, you know, haven't I, have I not been with you with this long and you still don't under, no one understand these things, Yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, um, and so, uh, eating from the same, um, nourishment in the same local church. And so Charles Spurgeon gives a an illustration called the parable of the ark, uh, thinking about the ark of Noah and how there are different, um, 
there were different, uh, not stages, but different levels on the arc. Um, and if you ever have a chance to go to the Ark Museum in, I believe it's Kentucky, Ken Ham, that whole thing, do it. It's a really good experience, but I digress. And so uh, he says there, there was there there was one door into the Ark, not, not, not 10 doors, and you had to enter by this one door mm -hmm. to be saved. And everyone outside the Ark, they perished. And Christ is that only door. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and all that enter into the Ark of Salvation must come through Christ alone. There was also not only one door, but one window. And so uh, the creatures in the ark, of course, needed light, but it's a singular thing that there was only one window in the ark. And so in the stage of spiritual growth, there was only one window whereby Christians get the light of God and all who come to Christ and receive salvation by him are illuminated in one way. And there was one window in the ark and though there were first and second and third um, stories in the ark, they all saw through one solo window. And so he describes children in Christ, the little saint who at first uh, gets the story and the light first comes through the window by the Holy Spirit of God. And then the young men, the saint who has been brought up to the secondary stage gets light through the very same window. And then the fathers, he who has been promoted to the loftiest story to get light through the same window too. There was no other means of seeing except through the one window made to the ark, the window of the Holy Spirit. Those at the different stages of growth see different amounts of light, yet the, the same Holy Spirit illuminates each the, the child doesn't see the young man, and the young man doesn't see as the fathers, but they're all in the same family, aboard the same ark, and they're in the same family of God. Mm. Ooh, makes me want to, makes me want to cry. Now, really good stuff. I mean, Charles Spurgeon, I don't think I've ever heard a bad sermon by him. <laughs> um, but let me just close uh, and just remind everyone that uh, it's Christmas time right around the corner. We have our Spurgeon and Luther Christmas sweatshirts, mugs, hats, etc., available for purchase. And if you're interested in purchasing our discipleship workbook called Multiplying for the Master to help you in this very topic of spiritual growth um, or to use as a tool to help someone else to grow, please email us uh, as soon as possible. Um, and for a small fee, we can get that to you. And we also can have it available on PDF. Uh, continue to pray for all our ministries, our late night prayer meetings, hermeneutics teachings as we raise up expository preachers, our evangelistic outreaches, including going to the abortion clinics here in New York City. There's much work to do for the king, and we do it with joy because we love him. We want to if you would you like to contact us, to please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.